Welcome to Work Everywhere, a podcast brought to you by Allware, the company that equips teams with everything they need to work from anywhere. I'm your host, Ben Kessler, Chief Growth Officer, and my co-host today is Veronica Kellerman, Content Marketing Lead. In this episode, we're joined by Joan Nguyen, a mission-led founder whose passion for entrepreneurship led to her starting her first company, Mary Education, at just 20 years old. Presently, Joan is the co-founder and CEO of Bumo, a tech-enabled on-demand childcare solution for families and employers. Since its inception in 2019, Bumo has expanded to over 100 locations and prides itself on providing relief for busy parents, what Joan refers to as parent care. In today's conversation, we chat about Bumo's fundraising process and how 200 no's led to many resounding yeses, how leaders can set the example of trust and flexibility for their teams, how parents can find strength in community, and why childcare should be a workplace necessity rather than just an amenity. Hey, Joan. So excited to have you here today. Thanks for taking the time. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit more about your career journey. What got you to this point? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. My name is Joan Nguyen. I am the co-founder of Bumo. So Bumo started off as a co-working space with childcare. We launched uh, a space in Century City at the Westfield and uh, pivoted many, many times. So we were supposed to open March of 2020. Everybody knows what happened then. And then we shifted and basically created an online school during that time because we couldn't open. And then once the world came back to normal, we opened up our space, which was great. Parents were really excited to have this amazing co-working space with on-site childcare. But we saw this like massive need for parents to get childcare everywhere. And so we decided to course correct, change directions and launch a marketplace. So what we do now is we basically partner with daycares, preschools, after-school programs, put them onto a website um, so that we can merchandise those spots and make them bookable online from parents. That's great. Well, I'm excited today. You know, we definitely, you know, myself being a parent, I'm sure our audience that are parents, but also HR execs and IT execs and leaders that are, you know, serving parents as well, excited to kind of talk about conditions for working parents, you know, how companies are supporting working parents, and obviously how how you're seeing that through your service and, and your interaction with, with these parents. So it's really exciting. I'm excited to dig into that. Yeah, I mean, childcare is such a big problem that, of course, a lot of working parents face. It's absolutely much more acute for working parents. So we're excited to be in the space and be tangent to a lot of folks in HR and benefits and people operations. Yeah, I'm really excited to be talking with you as well. Um, I'm not a parent myself, at least not yet, but I've worked with Ben for a while now. And kind of from that, we've had a lot of conversations around the issues facing working parents today and the ways that they're not always supported by companies in the ways that they need to be. So that kind of brings me into this question. So I know that Bumo is not your first company and you Mm -hmm. can feel free if you'd like to talk about the first one if you want to. But what I'm curious about is the fact that you've started these two amazing mission-based companies. And I'm wondering if entrepreneurship was always at the center of your passions and always what you kind of saw for yourself or if it's something that you came into later in life. Yeah. Yeah. So we can go back in time and talk about my first company. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So my first company is Mary Education. I started that company when I was like 19, 20. I was this like fresh out of high school kid 
So I graduated high school with a 2.8 GPA. I was that kid who would ask for a hall pass and not show up until after school was done. So I was this like aimless kid, right? Got bad grades, blah, blah, blah. And then after high school, I wanted to really think about, okay, how can I mentor kids? How can I help kids kind of like me? And I started tutoring kids and I really loved it. I loved tutoring kids. I loved mentoring them, helping them through college applications or their tests or whatever it was. And then I started Mary Education, you know, went from going to people's houses to eventually opening up a tutoring center, opening up a few more, and then working with kids globally from Hong Kong to like South America. Um, And then, of course, like my life changed when I became a parent. So my thesis changed, right? I went from this like fresh out of high school kid who wanted to help other high school kids to this new like bumbling, stressed out you know, mom who wanted to help other parents too. You started to go into sort of my follow-up there, which was obviously becoming a parent and what was changing in your life. And there's so many challenges. And I feel like becoming a parent and going through parenthood is something that like you try to prepare yourself for, but you're never, you're never fully prepared for. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone wants to share their insight with you. Talk to me about that kind of like genesis of the first company to where you are today, besides becoming a parent, like how did Bumo become the thing? Like how, how did that lead you to Bumo and, and kind of the iterations of Bumo? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my first company, I thought it was going to be this, you know, evergreen company where I was going to stay there forever. Like you'd have to carry me out in a gurney because I loved it so much. I loved helping kids. I loved helping high school kids. And then when my second child was born, Elliot, he was like three months old, my co-founder, Chriselle, had this idea for a co-working space with on-site childcare. And at that point, I literally had my team working out of my house. I would like breastfeed upstairs and then I would run downstairs and then they were staying for dinner. And my husband was like, this is like crazy. Your team cannot stay for dinner every single night. (laughs) And I even have pictures of my team like holding a bottle, uh, you know, in my daughter's mouth or whatever, beating her while I was like in a meeting. And so... When my co-founder had this idea, it just like resonated with me. And at that time, she wasn't my co-founder. And at that time, I wasn't even part of Bumo. I was so obsessed with the idea that I just started to give free advice. I became what I call free consultant slash intern, right, for the company. And eventually she was like, okay, gosh, you email me all the freaking time. (laughs) Do you just want to become part of the team? I was like, "Uh, sure, why not? And then eventually she was like, okay, you're like totally obsessed with this idea. Just like become the co-founder and become the CEO and like drive this forward. And so the idea that I was obsessed with was, of course, the co-working space with on-site childcare. And so we basically rallied behind that idea, you know, went in 2019, super excited, tried to raise some money and then couldn't, right? So that's also a windy journey that I don't know if you want me to get into, but it was a crazy journey. And we finally did raise the money. And then in March of 2020, when we were supposed to open, you know, of course, the the world shut down. So not to dig in too much on that, but I'm sure we know the state of VC funding in the world. So two female co-founders raising for a co-working space that's serving parents. I'm sure it was not an easy journey (laughs) to fundraising. What was the thing that did finally click? Was it that the idea finally clicked or was it that you found the right people to invest? It was a few things. So one was we had, first of all, 200 no's, right? We passed our deck 
in front of 200 people. 200 people basically said no. And then we went to our landlord, Westfield, and we said, hey, we have this great idea. It's a co-working space with on-site childcare. What do you think? And they were just like, this is a great idea. And we were like, okay, great. Well, we have no money. So they were like, okay, great. Well, we can give you almost a million dollars to build this out. And uh, we'll give you rent that's a dollar a square foot, right? In Westfield Century City, which is like amazing. And at that point, I went to all the investors who said no. And I said, hey, this is what we did. We, we got this money. What do you think? Do you want to talk more? And then so finally, they, they a lot of people engaged with the idea, right? They found us compelling to some degree. But then when we got that Westfield deal, I think that was a sign that led people to believe, hey, these two founders can really get shit done, right? So we're going to invest in them. So that was, you know, it starts with one person, right? One person wants to invest in you. And then there's like this like lemming effect, right? With investors and they just all like start piling money on you. Um, so that's how we raised our, our first tranche of capital. That's amazing. And also confirms a theory of mine was that Westfield was <laughs> giving accessible terms to, to all their tenants to kind of build out, build out the mall and make it amazing. And for the listeners who, who aren't familiar with the, the Century City Mall, it's it's like the best mall. <laughs> yeah, it's if like you can Disneyland. call something the best mall, it's like, yeah, it's like Disneyland as a mall, you know, best restaurants, <laughs> stores, and, and just cool experiences, right? Like, like Bumo, like a camp store, and a lot mm-hmm. of things that are um, entertaining to kind of families and kids, which is which is really great. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, very cool. I'm going to echo what, what you're saying about the Century City Mall. <laughs> For listeners who don't know, I um, am a longtime New Yorker who just moved to Los Angeles recently. So you might be rolling your eyes at the idea of going to a mall and having a good time. But I'm telling you, in LA, there are some really, really great malls that are very fun. And like Ben is saying, there's things for families, there's things for like literally anybody. And the Century City Mall is by far the best one. So, <laughs> yep, I can live there. It might sound strange to people in other areas of the country, but love the Century City. We mall. we have such mall culture here that there's one of one of my favorite social media accounts is the uh, the, the Americana, Americana brand. brand. Oh, I love that one. Account. I love it. <laughs> That, that's it's a, a meme that's account a about one. a mall. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's really more about like LA culture, I would say. But yeah. oh, it is, it is. I mean, especially the the content lately with the rain, right? It's been pretty funny and spot on. Right. Absolutely. So kind of trying to tap in more to the kind of thesis that exists at the center of both of your businesses. To me, it's clear that you're super passionate both about ed tech and childcare. So I'm curious where you see those two things intersecting and whether the ed tech piece plays into the kind of longer term vision for for Bumo at all. Is that something that that still drives you? Yeah, I mean, we did launch Bumo Brain during the pandemic, which was online learning. Um, and that was our sort of ed tech arm during the pandemic. And that helped us a lot build our brand awareness and, you know, get parents to learn about Bumo. But, you know, as we navigate childcare, we like to re, I guess, establish our identity, not as like an ed tech or a childcare company, but more like a fam tech company, right? So we're building technology to support families. Um, and that's what we're, you know, very intentional about. We're intentional about not calling ourselves a childcare company. We're actually a parent care company. So 
the alignment between my previous company and the current company, it seems like, oh, I just want to help children, which is obviously I want to help children. But I think what brought me the most joy beyond just helping children was being that relief for parents, right? Parents who are dealing with the college admissions process or SAT prep where their kids were failing out of school or even falling into drugs and things like that. I was that person who talked to their kids, right? When they were 15, 14, 16, whatever it was. And for parents, they felt that relief that they could have this mentor through my previous company. And just like childcare, it's it's that relief that parents have. You know, I, I do customer service a lot for Bumo. And I'm picking up calls, you know, making calls to parents. And my favorite question to, to, of course, understand is like, why, right? Why are they using Bumo? And a lot of times, you know, we had a family who came in from Portland, booked on-demand childcare and for a funeral, they were going to a funeral. They haven't had no childcare for their kids. They would have missed the funeral, but they were able to book childcare. So stories like that are really compelling to me. So, so I would say Boom was more of a fam tech company, again, using technology to support fam- families and parents. Yeah, and I, I love the phrase parent care. Even the example that you mentioned, like around SAT prep and like the college process, for example. Recently, I was actually thinking about this because I was thinking about how stressful that period was for me. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I was stressed. My parents <laughs> were crazy, crazy stressed. And I think that's yeah. a really interesting perspective to kind of put the emphasis back onto them. Yeah. Cause it is stressful <laughs> for parents because they're investing oh, yeah. in SAT tutoring <laughs> into you and hoping that you'll actually study. Right. But yeah, no, no, it's definitely a stressful time. You know, we've talked about how the beginnings of Bumo were kind of, you know, around key points of the pandemic. One thing we talk a lot about here, both in our business at Allware and in our content on the podcast and with people, you know, HR leaders and employers and things like that is how, you know, working styles, how pandemic obviously made a, a huge change and huge impact on this. And I've been working from home pretty much since I moved to LA from New York for six years now I've been working remote. I love it. I've been able to be more present with my kids and just available to drop them off and pick them up and take them to things and work, you know, in a flexible way. And I think we talked about this on a previous episode with another guest around how employers need to become more flexible for their employees, more trustworthy, you know, allowing that flexibility. And then there's other people who like to go to the office because they want to get away from their crazy house. They want to get away from the kids are home. They find it distracting, whatever it might be. What's your take? I mean, personally, and and from what you've seen in kind of that shift of work style over the past few years and, and trends that you've seen, how do you think about it? I think flexibility is key to do either, right? I think a lot of times people who are forced to work 100% remote, they might feel this need or desire for camaraderie that they might only feel like they could find with in-person human interaction, right? And then there's a the flexibility for the opposite, which is to be able to work remote and and kind of like piece your schedule together the way you please, right? Um, because I think gone are the days where you work a nine to five, you know, eight or nine consecutive hours, sit in traffic three hours round trip, you know, parents, working parents and just working people in general get so much of their time back by being able to, you know, think about their day and puzzle it, you know, use the puzzle pieces and put it together because we're all functional adults, right? If we can make a to-do list and we can do all that, we can figure out our schedule, we can figure out that, hey, I could go 
drop off my kid to school in the morning. Maybe I'll land, you know, right at home at nine o'clock for my meeting and then get ready in the afternoon, maybe go to the office for a little bit if I need to. Like we can figure that out. And then when you empower your employees to have that autonomy to figure it out, then I feel like they're just so much happier. You know, for me, our team, you know, I always say family first, right? So whatever it is they need to do for their families. If we're a parent care company, we're not taking care of our own parents. We're obviously doing something not right. And so we want to give that flexibility. So if somebody, like one of my employees today, she's like, okay, Joan, next Tuesday, I'm going to shift my schedule around because my daughter has high school registration and it's really important for me to be there. I was like, for sure, do it. Because I trust her, right, to make up the work another time or way, right? And, um, you know, have that flexibility. So I think there's like a level of trust too that the employees feel, right, when you trust them to work from home and move things around. And I think that is also something beyond flexibility is like showing that the employee that you trust them, right, to manage their own schedule. Because now I look back and I'm like, wow, an employer making you come in, I mean, of course, different jobs are different, but coming in nine to five in a regimented way, it feels very inflexible and, and takes away that level of trust, right, for that person to manage their own schedule. And then takes away a lot of things that you find valuable too, like you said, right? Being able to be with your kids or like yesterday I had a work dinner and I got home at 1030, but then I was working from home so I could see my kids for two hours and then go to the work dinner. Whereas before I'd probably be in the office and wouldn't be able to get to home in time and just go straight to the work dinner, right? Yeah, I think it allows for this, you know, obviously there's different takes on blurring the lines between work and and life. And obviously you went through that when you were operating your business from your home and your team was was eating dinner. (laughs) I don't know who was cooking for them, but either way, that's an interesting situation. But yeah, I think, you know, obviously I don't have uh, data on this, but anecdotally giving that kind of trust and flexibility, I've seen people do their best work when they're able to work in the way that works for them, right? And that could be starting their day at 10 o'clock in the morning because they've got a bunch of child-related things happening in the morning, or maybe they're better at getting their workout in later on or whatever that might be. And then that person tends to work different hours. Like I am oddly like a night owl. Like I get Mm -hmm. my best work done when I, you know, start early in the morning, kind of work through the day, end early in the afternoon. And then I'm back on my computer, you know, at eight or nine o'clock when the kids are in bed. And that's like Mm -hmm. my quiet time and my time to focus, right? That doesn't work for everyone, but it gives you that flexibility and you should have the ability to do that and kind of like own that yourself. And, And I think hopefully, you know, the positive changes that have happened during the pandemic and have had that flexibility allow people to choose, right? And allow people to say, I work better in an office or I can pop in. Listen, I love going to the WeWork that's within walking distance of my house sometimes because it is just good to get into a different space or be around different people or actually meet and be creative with people in person. That's interesting. I guess just a really quick follow on with that is, you know, did you see any trends with when the focus of Buma was on the kind of childcare and co-working space? How were people using it? Was it mostly like there's at home time and then there's Bumo time? Was it they were at offices and then coming to Bumo? Like what trends were you seeing there? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's an interesting mix. So having the co-working space. So a lot of parents come and they drop off their kids right at 9 a.m. When we open, they rush to the co-working space and they like get onto a Zoom call. 
So it gives them that sort of flexibility. But then in the middle of the day, maybe around 10 or 11, some of those parents will float off to go to like on-site meetings or go into the office or something, right? And then they'll float back and they'll come back at four, work from the co-working space and pick up their kids at six. Whereas before, right, you're like rushing in traffic to pick up your kids at six o'clock. Here you can just like leisurely come back to the space and work for a few hours and pick up your child on time. But I do see a mix, right? I see a mix of parents. Some parents are in production, so they have to be on site so you can't avoid that. Some parents are freelancers, some parents travel for work. So it's a, it's a really big mix. But I think what I'm seeing is this flexibility, right? They're floating in and out. You know, they're in not in this like rigid schedule and they seem, I mean, again, this is anecdotal on my part too. They just seem generally just happier, right? And not always in a frenzy or in a rush. And for me too, I feel that I have this flexibility before I used to be like, okay, drop the kids off. And oh my gosh, six o'clock, every daycare charges you by the freaking minute <laughs> you know, if you're late and so you have to get there on time. But now it's, it's, it's just easier, right? It just feels like it's not hectic and rushed. Yeah. I think removing that barrier of like just that anxiety of travel, commute, whatever your situation might be, that frees up more time to be good at what you're focusing on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Frees totally. up more mind space. That's kind of a big indicator and, and a big, you know, part of the, the mental health piece of all of this as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think another thing that Ben and I talk about a lot is putting the onus for a lot of what we're saying back onto senior leadership and companies rather than on the employees so that they're not facing the anxiety that you're talking about of sitting in traffic because like you have to be there at 9am or who knows what's going to happen. And I think that the trust is what's really key for that. Mm -hmm. So I guess talking about the ownership being with companies, what do you think that they're still getting wrong about the benefits that they need to be offering to working parents? And what do you think still needs to change? Because it seems like clear to the parents what they wish was different, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily clear to the companies. Yeah, I think beyond flexibility, you know, there's kind of like two sides to the coin, right? There's what the company is offering, right? And then what is available for them to offer. So in terms of what's available for them to offer, you know, my husband, I'm going to digress a little bit, but my husband has childcare benefits for his company, right? That, and he's worked for that company for 14 years. We have never used the backup childcare. Why? Because it just doesn't work. When you need backup childcare, you have a hair on fire problem, right? So when you wake up at 7 a.m. and you're like, oh my God, the nanny is sick or you know, next week, I didn't realize there's staff development day again, right? And, you know, schools closed. That's a hair on fire problem. And a lot of these sort of childcare benefits don't allow you to book childcare immediately, to get that coverage immediately. You still have to do this back and forth dance. It's almost like, you know, Craigslist with a better UI. You're just like messaging them back and forth to get care and there's not that instantaneous care. So it, it's almost like a facade, right? Like, hey, we have a childcare benefit for you get childcare, but you can't really get childcare. And so it's like a checking off the box. So I think for corporate leaders and HR leaders, it's really thinking about, okay, what actually really works, right? And thinking about what the needs are and for the employees and not just like checking off the box because I think that's what's happening right now with a lot of the childcare benefits that I'm seeing. For companies that are maybe doing this right, I mean, how do you see improving conditions for working parents helping the company? You know, for the HR people that are listening to this, how is it 
supporting the company and not just the employees through the lens of like the admin side? Yeah, I mean, statistically, what, 14.6 hours of productivity is lost a week, right, from parents because of childcare. You know, how many parents have left the workforce, mainly women, because of lack of childcare? So for the company side, one, you could put a dollar amount to it, right, in terms of loss of productivity. But beyond that, you know, it's just retention and happiness, right? I remember when I was talking to a company about childcare needs, they were telling me about an engineer they had who was literally conducting a meeting from his car because he had no childcare. And then I asked, I was like, well, where was his child? <laughs> so, and they were like, we don't know, but like he maybe in the backseat or something. I don't know. But like, it was really interesting because, you know, they were telling me, and this is again, one story, but it was really compelling. And they were just like, yeah, we surveyed a bunch of our employees and this person especially said, you know, I have better job offers elsewhere. I just need a place that will give me childcare so I can just do the work that I want to do because it comes back to it's social, it's emotional, it's psychological, it's financial, right? You know, employees need to feel supported. And when you're a parent, the one thing that you can't control is your children and childcare, right? That's the, the one thing that you wake up every day and it's not guaranteed every single day for whatever reason. Like right now, LAUSD is on strike, right? That's what, I think it was like 600,000 kids or something like that who don't have school to go to. What are those parents doing? And are all these childcare benefits applicable? Like are all these parents able to log on somewhere and like book something right away? Probably not, right? And so they're stressed, they can't get their work done, they're behind, they feel like they're letting somebody down, right? They feel like they're gonna get in trouble from their boss or employer. So there's a lot of different facets to this situation of childcare that stems from so much and then the loss of productivity, right? You have all these parents who can't get their work done and you have to get coverage, you have to, whatever it is. I mean, this is just so much and so layered of a problem. Yeah, and I mean, so much of, of that component, there, there's so many components to it of like the equality piece too, right? When you think of different income levels, different situations for people, single caregivers, whatever it might be. I, I think it needs to always be thought through kind of various situations. And I think people that are oftentimes making arguments against childcare policies or benefits, I would say, or investing in those benefits are not thinking through the fact that that is somebody's entire experience maybe if their kid can't go to school can't go to LAUSD I mean let's not even talk about some people are not getting fed because they're expecting to go to school and get fed and that's why you know then you're, you're trying to figure out last minute situations and in most cases people are missing work missing wages mm -hmm. that they need and it's a scary situation and yeah I think thinking of it you know I think the equality piece is a big one right now too you know through all levels of, of companies and, and giving people accessible like solutions and then also i think the removing like the stigmas around it too mm -hmm. you know i think people are always in situations where they feel guilty or they're looked down upon for having kids right or <laughs> mm -hmm. having to deal with the kids or whatever it might be and i've heard of so many situations like that you know there's the times when i've dealt with employees or who have a situation where there's a kid at home, you know what I mean? And they have to deal with the kid and like, that's, you're going to have to take care of that employee in the right way to make sure that they, you know, now if this is a repeating thing and you're not serving benefits to that employee, then mm -hmm. what is that employee left to do to actually right. be productive and be successful? Right. There, It's like a zero sum game basically. So totally, it's really interesting. And I think 
services, it's all about one, having the services available and having the companies understand like where and and have to fight for that budget too, Mm -hmm. especially in a world now where companies are cutting all of these supposed amenities and perks. I think we need to get past the idea that like childcare in different components and ways is an amenity, you know what I mean? Or is a perk. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not an amenity. It's a necessity. (laughs) And so it's a necessity, right? And I've seen, I mean, I've read about companies cutting these things out of the bottom line because they're being pressed to cut costs. Sure. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because, you know, when you think about it, even as a math problem, right, it just makes sense. So, you know, you, you can't quantify other benefits necessarily like having, access to gyms or even having a kombucha bar on, you know, the third floor or whatever it is. <laughs> but for childcare, you can actually quantify, you know, it's actually a very straightforward math problem. You can understand your ROI very, very easily because you just tie that hour of that employee's time that they lose on childcare back to the impact they make, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, on the culture of the company, whatever it is, Right. And so it's a lot more quantifiable. So it's so surprising when it's cut. I mean, obviously it is what it is too, in the sense that they they have to do what they have to do to cut costs. But I feel like if it's a math problem, it's a pretty easy math problem to figure out. Yeah, I'm thinking of the example you named a few minutes ago where, you know, there's a person who has multiple job offers and they almost throw up their hands and say, I just want the one that, that gives me childcare and the, you know, the rest is kind of irrelevant. And to kind of phrase it as being a necessity, not an amenity. I feel like in Finding Nemo, when he's like, an amenity is trying to say that. (laughs) 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 Didn't quite roll off the tongue. But yeah, I think that that's interesting to think of it like that. And that we need to start thinking of it as being in the same category as health insurance and like our salaries and like Mm -hmm. paid time off and all these things that we deem to be just an essential part of going to work every day. And not something that's kind of quote unquote extra, like a gym membership or like you were saying. Right. So I know that so much of this falls on the employer and on the companies, but just in terms of what parents themselves can do with the control that they do have, do you have tips for working parents who are struggling or feeling overwhelmed, especially with things like the school closure this week? Yeah. I mean, I think there is a a huge powering community. So I'm on a lot of, uh, Facebook mom groups. And so what I've been seeing is parents just, you know, offering to watch each other's kids and just like stepping up and saying like, Hey, yeah, I can watch some kids or whatever it is. So just community is important. Um, and kind of like sharing resources, you know, for me when, you know, school's out and let's say before pre pre Bumo and I didn't have care coverage, you know, I had my community. So I was like, Hey, I have, you know, care that I, you know, have need care. And so they would provide me a Rolodex of babysitters or or whatnot. So I feel like it's just relying on your community for different resources to find care and coverage. But then beyond that too, it's just like also advocating, you know, for employees, advocating for yourself and communicating your needs, right? I had one employee come up to me two weeks ago and she was like, I you know, I feel like I'm not present with my second son, but with my first daughter, I felt so present and it's like gnawing at me right now. And so I was like, okay, let's make a different schedule for you that works. Right. Um, And if she had never told me that she probably would have just quit. Right. Because she would have felt so frustrated. So I think it's, you know, for working parents, it's just, you know, community, relying on resource, sharing resources and 
you know, offering up those resources and then also advocating for yourself because somebody will listen. You know, if you're in the right place, somebody will listen and find a resolution for you. Are there ways that, I mean, it can be Bumo specific, but ways that Bumo is bringing kind of like enterprise solutions or has thought about enterprise solutions for companies and HR teams and things like that? Like you can talk about Bumo specifically, you can talk about kind of fam tech or parent tech or, you know, however we're thinking about it. But for the people that are kind of deciding and looking for those services for their companies, what are different ways that they can provide services and different services they can provide? Yeah. So for Bumo, what we do is we, of course, do on-demand childcare. So parents can book half day or full day childcare. Um, we actually have partnerships with some companies, specifically one company, Allo, what they do is they subsidize part of the childcare for the parents. So parents can access the childcare on Bumo's platform, book childcare anywhere at a pretty heavy discount. Um, and Allo pays the difference. Another thing that we offer too is we have something called care credit. So essentially it's almost like a balance for childcare that parents have. So what companies are doing is, for instance, the law firm that we have a partnership with, they're giving every single employee a care credit balance and that employee can book childcare anywhere against that balance and some and that gives flexibility right because some locations are open on Sundays so let's say if it's an attorney who needs to catch up on some billable work on a Sunday they can actually book childcare on a Sunday so that gives again flexibility and because Bumo is expanding its footprint right now Parents can book childcare anywhere. We have parents who bop around between three or four locations uh, in our network, uh, which is really nice to see. That's great. This is a question we ask everyone that we have on the podcast, but I'd love to hear kind of from you. First, how do you work? What, what have you found works for you? What's your favorite way to, to work? And obviously, we've seen this massive shift in how people work and work culture, you know, over the past two, three years you know, inflection point was the pandemic, but what's your opinion on how you see work culture moving forward in the next one, five, 10 years? Yeah. So the first question I'll answer with, um, you know, I time box everything. So I have actually a timer on my browser and it's like a little like plugin. Uh, I do everything in three minutes, eight minutes, 16 minutes, or 24 minutes. Um, that's the limit of my attention span. So basically when I make a things to-do list, I time everything that I do. And it just helps me understand that some things don't take a lot of time. It helps me just like stay within that that parameter and get things done faster. Because I realize, you know, there's that whole meme, right? If you're given two weeks to clean your room, it's going to take you two weeks to clean your room. But if you <laughs> give yourself an hour, you'll get it done in an hour, right? So that's kind of how I see my work. Um, so I time box everything. That's how I work to get things done. But in terms of integrating with my family, I'm, I kind of work like you, Ben, you know, I, in the mornings, I wake up early, I get my work done and I spend time with the kids. I get their breakfast ready, get their lunches ready. They go to school. And then I, you know, I'm home by dinner, spend time with them and then work about 9 30 forward and get my things done. Um, and that way I can stay kind of present at both. And then in terms of work culture, you know, I feel like people are getting more and more, which is great, like empathetic, right? And, and, and compassionate. I feel like before, you know, people used to like email all the time and like late in the evening or slacking all the time. And I feel like there's more compassion and more empathy now where 
you know, people know to schedule messages. You know, if you need to send a message because you're, you're, you're afraid you're going to forget or we honor, you know, time off more. Um, I think this like crazy manic, like, you know, work hard no matter what, like get shit done, like who cares? It's not out the window. It's it's still there. You know, I'm sure some companies still have that, but I feel like more and more companies are moving towards like kind of like the happy medium, right? And I always tell my team like, okay, when you're on, like be on, but when you're off, please just be off, right? And I think that comes back to leadership too. And so, you know, when I go on vacation or I'm off, I try to be off. And if I'm working late at night, I explain to my team, hey, it's because you know, I'm picking up my kid at 3 p.m. to go to piano practice and spending that time with them. So I'm just making up that time later on. So I think there's that, that, again, sensitivity, that compassion and empathy that is going to continue into the next like few years and beyond. And I think a lot of the offerings from employers and the way that employees are going to encourage their employees to work and the ways that employees are going to work are going to be rooted in that kind of like mutual respect and empathy. I really appreciate that. And I've be, being someone that's lived so much of my life in like the startup hustle culture, work 60 hour plus weeks and do that, like getting out of that and seeing just the whole culture kind of shift. And like you're saying, be more accepting. And that's not to say everyone is. And I think it's also a maturity thing of maturity of company, maturity of mm-hmm. employees and and also being a leader, being a manager really pushing that like culture forward and taking a lead, like, like you said, like, I always find there's like this slippery slope of the most important, like deadlines happen. And like the product launches happen when I've like booked a vacation or have something <laughs> come up, you know, what I mean? it's Dang like it. always happens last minute, but it's like, if I'm going to be away, like I'm away. And like, even though sometimes I like to also book and, and I know Veronica, you did this recently went on a trip it's nice maybe in the beginning or end of the trip you want to book some time to work when you're kind of away and remote and that's great too but when you're off and you're trying to find the time like you need to have that time and i'm I'm happy that things like slack etc that have become so pervasive have at least added tools and features now to be like you know do not disturb hours like you're saying scheduling messages i use that yeah. feature all the time especially working across time zones right it's like so handy Mm-hmm. And I just don't like to bother people. I don't like to send messages and stop myself frequently from sending messages yeah. when I'm when I'm up, you know, working at, at ten o'clock yeah. at night or eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, because it makes the other person feel bad, and but they don't understand that your situation is different, right? It's because you're spending time with your family, and that's why you're working late at night. And that works for you, but for the other person on the other end, they might feel like, oh shit, should I be working right now? I feel right. bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. And even if you mean, even like for me, it's like, I need to get an idea out of my head, right. but the other person might take that as, and I want the other person to go and, you know, do that when you're working, like, don't do that right mm-hmm. now, but that's not how everyone works. Right. So right. that's why the, when the scheduling comes in handy is I can, I can do it right now because I'm so impulsive with how I work sometimes, but someone else can process it later, but enough about me. <laughs> No, but that's that's true, though, because some people don't have those guardrails, right? And so they don't have the discipline to say, like, oh, shoot, I'm, you know, Ben's sending to me, I'll send it later. Maybe somebody who's a little bit more fresh into the workforce might be like, oh, my God, Ben's sending me this message. I must get back to him right away or else, or else it's going to, like, self-detonate or something, right? So I think you're right. It takes a maturity. It's like a maturity thing, too, on the other side as well, right, to have those guardrails in place. 
Well, I can I can weigh in on this because Ben is my manager and he has been for some years now. And he's really, so really... So is he really scheduling those slacks or not? I'm yes, just kidding. Yes. <laughs> and when we first started working together and I didn't know him as well, he always like prefaced the messages with please only do this at like XYZ time mm-hmm. or he would always schedule them for the next morning. So I, I really do think that it's something that comes from the top down because at my previous companies, it, it wasn't like that at all. And it's true that when you are more junior, you read that and you're like, Oh my God, I need to do it right now. Or Mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen. And I need to get my laptop out, even though it's, it's late at night. It's a test. Yeah. (laughs) But Ben is great at that. So compliments to you. Kudos, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I swear I didn't bring Veronica on here to just, you know, pump pump me up. Well, Joan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so great talking with you. And please plug yourself for our listeners. Please tell us where people can find you if they'd like to learn more about you and what you are working on. Yeah. So our Instagram is um, Bumo Parent. Uh, so you can follow us there. If you want to follow me and my weird memes that I post, it's Joan.Bumo, <laughs> B-U-M-O. And, you know, right now we're working on building this amazing marketplace for on-demand childcare, onboarding daycares, you know, all over the West Coast and then moving to the East Coast. So please check us out at bumo.com. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Of course. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this valuable, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app please consider leaving us a rating or review. We'd really appreciate it. Work Everywhere is presented by Allware, the work enablement solution that provides everything you need to work from anywhere. Companies from startups to enterprises save on time and cost by trusting Allware with employee provisioning, procurement, logistics, and asset management. Learn more at allware.co.